All right, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. Guide and lead us as we look at this very difficult word to, to study and to consider. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're back in the book of Luke, which we left for the series on resurrection and crucifixion. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 49. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I do if it is already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose you that I have come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be fire in, a five in one house divided against, divided, three against two and two against three. A father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So we're going to look at this, and this is kind of a very interesting thing to read. We talk all the time about unity in the church and unity with one another. Uh, the main gospel message out there in some of these big churches is we're all to love one another and be one big happy family and that we're never going to run into trials and tribulations and I don't know where they find these verses in the Bible to teach that. All right, I do understand that God wants unity. He wants love in the church. He wants that but not at the price of sacrificing holiness. And so here we're seeing Jesus saying I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I do if I find it already kindled? And this word for send literally means to cast out like the sower throwing out seed, not carrying where the seed goes. He's just casting it out. And you think about this. Why does Jesus say this? Well, part of it is he's speaking to the lost world. The gospel message does not make the world happy. What's the problem with the gospel message? It is so simple. Turn to God and, and get saved. But it's also that simplicity that makes people irritated. What do I get to do to get saved? Nothing. How much good can I do to earn he heaven? Nothing. Well, hold it. I don't like that idea. I want to be able to earn my way. I want to be somebody that has pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I've never understood how you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but you know that's a saying that people do. But that's the type of thing they want to do. They want to pull themselves up. And, you know, we want to be able to think about this. The world does not like the gospel message. And the sad thing is so many churches don't like the gospel message because it means that you give up. And we were talking about this in Sunday school today, you know, that we are to surrender to God and just walk in faith rest. You know, the gospel message in the Christian life is so easy to live. All I've got to do is surrender my life to God and hide in Him. You know, and I hope that everybody realizes that. And I know at our church we've talked about it so often, it should be easy to know. But the Christian life is a really easy life to live when I am not trying to struggle and fight my way through the sin. Because God wants to crucify our flesh. He wants to carry our weight. He wants to do everything that, that goes on for us. And He just says, hide in me. In, in uh, Psalms, he says he's our strong tower, he's our, he's our refuge, he's our, our buckler, he's our shield. All those are words that say just hide behind him. In the New Testament, we are said we are 
hid in Christ. We are to be in him. Meanwhile, this message brings a fire and a division. The world does not like to hear how simple it is to get saved. I don't know how many of you have ever witnessed to people, but you go, where do you think you're going to go when you die? Well, I hope I go to heaven. That's what almost everybody says, I hope I go to heaven. Sometimes you'll get somebody who's a smart aleck and say, oh, I'm going to be in hell with all my friends. I'm going, well, you might be in hell, but you won't be with your friends. There's no consolation prize in hell. It's not going to be a big party. You know, uh, but a lot of people go, I hope I'm going to be in, in, in heaven. And you go, well, what are you basing on? Well, I hope I'm good enough. Now, the problem is they don't like the gospel message because your, your immediate answer is that you're not. Now, you've got to be careful with how you say that because they might want to hit you when you say you're not because they're going to be thinking they're bad. Because I usually say, you're not and neither is anybody else. God says we all fall short of his standard. And, you know, this is the thing that Jesus says. I've come to bring fire, division, issues. You know, and he was talking to the disciples. And what did the disciples expect from him? The same thing that people expect today. Messiah's here. We're going to have rescue from Rome. Jerusalem's going to be the head, the head of everything, and he's going to reign from here, and we're going to be the world power. We'll do whatever we want to everybody else because we've got the king, and we're going to have peace. And Jesus said, that's not what I've come for. I've come to bring division. And we're going, why? How can division be something that is good? And, you know, this is something that is a very interesting thing to be getting into, because I'm going to jump to the last part of this, the division. How many of you, maybe you had somebody in your family get saved before you, and all of a sudden that person is no longer fun to be around at the family parties? When everybody wanted to be drinking and having all kinds of fun, and they're going, nope, don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. Matter of fact, I'd like to pray before we eat. And they're going, ah, well, holy, what's wrong with you? Maybe you were the first one saved and you're the one that's no longer having fun at the family parties <laughs> because you don't feel comfortable with what was always going on. And they're looking at you, what is wrong? Why, are you so, why do you think you're so much better than the rest of us? Well, it's not that. I just know Jesus and I, would, I want you all to know Jesus. So you can go to heaven as well. And you all of a sudden, you become the one that's persona non grata at the family parties. <laughs> but over time, you watch more and more people get saved in the family and now the peace is replaced by that division. And this happens over and over, but when Christ comes into a situation, a world area, a division comes. We are light and salt to the world. Now, you know, we all know what it means, you know, light. If you've ever gone into a room with, that is infested with with roaches or rats or mice or something, you turn on a light, what happens? Scatter everywhere. They all leave. Do you realize as Christians, we bring the light of God into the darkness of this world? And the world wants to scatter. It hurts them to be around us, even if we don't say a word. We have brought God into their presence. And that bothers them. Because all of a sudden, they're exposed to the holiness of God. And we don't have to say a word. And then heaven help you if you start talking about God. You brought God into the situation, then you start talking about God. 
And it's always interpreted as, well, you think you're better than us, and no, I'm just, I, I care, and I want to see you go to heaven as well. And then we're made to be salt. Now, when Jesus said this, salt was the idea of curing something, bringing healing. Uh, we do things like mercuricum and, and hydrogen peroxide and those kind of things, which have the same effect. You put these things on your, on your wound that hurts, and the instant part of it is, it hurts more. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't give me that stuff. That hurts. <laughs> but you need it to be able to get healed. And this is, we are salt to the world. When we come around with God's word, God's presence, we are pouring salt into their womb or what are we using the other days other than salt? Uh, Mercuricum is what we used to use. Uh, huh? Peroxide. Peroxide. Peroxide does a wonderful job on a cut, too. Uh, now, we have, in our day and age, we have some nicer stuff like uh, antibiotics and stuff that are creams and stuff that don't hurt. Uh, we, we've grown a little bit now. I don't know if they heal as, as well or not, but, you know, but in, you know, when we were all, everybody in this room was old enough to remember that we put things in that hurt. That, that hurt the cut even, and it's like, uh, Mom and Dad, I'm not showing you that I hurt myself. I'm going to hide this and let it get infected because I don't want <laughs> I, I, iodine, yeah, iodine, mercuricum. Uh, yeah. I haven't had that one put into it. But, <laughs> but all those things would burn and they would hurt, but they also killed all of this. So when we bring God into a situation, they have open wounds of sin. And we come along and we pour salt in those wounds. Maybe not even meaning to, but we know that they need to be healed. And their first reaction is just like ours when we were little kids having to have that iodine or whatever poured in there. Nope, nope, nope. Don't want it. Don't, don't care. Don't, don't, don't pour that stuff into my finger. Don't do that. Don't, you know, go to the doctor and they want to, what do they want to do immediately? They want to poke and prod your injury. And you're going like, uh, it, it was almost feeling good. I was getting used to the pain until you started, you know, poking at it and pulling on it and cutting on it. And now it hurts again. And we do the same thing to the world. They have open wounds that are starting to scar over. And then we come along, bring in the presence of God and a little bit of salt and, and iodine. And we pour it into that wound, even not even necessarily meaning to. And they get reactive and division happens. This happens all the time. And as the world gets darker and darker and darker, we can expect more and more division and more and more attack. It's going to be hard for us to stand up for Christ and be able to say, this is right. When the world is saying there is no such thing as absolute, absolute truth and absolute right and wrong. Whatever I think is okay is okay is what the world says. And we're coming in and God says, God says what you're doing is wrong. And people react. It's an amazing thing. I have even been told that if I would quit talking about sin so much, we could fill this church. Now, I have no idea what I'd be talking about if I didn't talk about the sin and the need of the Savior, but I have been told by several people they don't come because I called something that they did sin. I didn't judge them. I just told them what God says it is. Matter of fact, I'd love for them to come and hear more about how much God loves them and cares for them. But what happens in the world? They get reactive. 
and said, you guys think you're better than us. You think you're special. No, I'm just a follower of Christ, a sinner saved by grace through Christ as well. I have my own sins. And many times I'm preaching at myself when I'm up here talking about the different sins that are going on <laughs> around you. Know, I have my own problems. I'm pouring salt in my own wounds. But we need to be able to understand these whole idea of giving, lifting Jesus up brings division. People get irritated by it. It hurts. It's hurt to be, it hurts them to be told that what they're doing is a sin. And, you know, we need to be very careful about how we do it, how we express it. But, you know, we've been watching our world drift deeper and deeper and deeper into sin with each thing that is accepted. We started this whole sexual revolution with people saying it's okay to live together and commit fornication. And then because we allowed that, then it's like we're not going to expect you to live together. You can just have a new partner every night and, and pick somebody up new every, every night. Then we get into homosexuality, then we get to transgenderism and all the other things that are going on right now. And it all started by saying the, the simple thing was, was not bad. And it grew. Sin never stops growing. And if you've ever been caught up in a sin, you know that that's true. Doesn't matter what that sin is. You know, somebody who starts drinking, they start drinking just to escape on the weekends. And then they want to escape more often. And before long, they're drinking all the time. Because sin does not stop. It always demands more. My, my biggest problem is workaholism. It's real easy. You have fun. I enjoy work. And I do enjoy work. And it, but it's the same thing. It demands more and more and more and more until all you're doing is working. You're not taking care of the family. You're making all the excuses. I'm doing this for my family that I don't get to see because I'm working all the time, but I'm doing it for my family. And we'll make our excuses. We'll make our, we'll make our reasons for doing those sins. We all have something that is a problem for us. And the sin will demand more and more. And this is why we come together as a body of Christ so that people go, you know, hey, I've kind of missed you. Where have you been? Oh, I've been working. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Oh, well, we really want to see you more often. A little bit of salt in the wound. <laughs> I don't really want to be around you guys because when I'm around you, I see Jesus. I get convicted. And we see this over and over in churches where people drift away from church. And they stop coming because they get convicted when they're in the presence of the body of Christ because they, the body of Christ brings light and salt into their life and they get irritated by it and slowly say well I'm tired of being irritated I'm going to just divide and that division can be either very verbal or just divided and Jesus said I've come to bring a division light and darkness will always be divided you have to because light will overcome darkness always now in our experience, though, sometimes the evil overcomes our good intentions. This is why we need to be careful who we hang out with. And I've said this over and over, and one of my biggest problems is I've been a Christian for too long in many cases because I don't know a lot of unsaved people. It's the good thing that I work at the prison because there's lots of unsaved people at the prison. Otherwise, I'd never have any unsaved people to talk to because I spend all my rest of my time at home or here with all of you Christians. So it's good that I work out there and am forced to be out there amongst the lost world. 
But you know, we have to be very careful. Are we getting in or out to where we're talking and seeing the lost world? By the same token, our best friends had better not be the lost world. Because who do you go to for advice? Your best friends. And if your best friends are all from the world, all you're going to get is worldly advice. This is what you should do. You know, and well, hold on, how does that match? I don't know. I don't care about the Bible. All I care is about this is what you should do. Uh, this is why people end up getting divorced because God says, I hate divorce. And he says, I want people to stay together. And Jesus told the, the scribes and Pharisees, well, why did Moses say you could get divorced? He goes, because you guys have hard hearts and don't want to obey God. You have to think about that. That had to hurt them. Because you guys are so sinful in your hearts, God said you could do, you could do the divorce because you weren't going to do it his way. And if we're talking to the world, we need to be careful because the world is going to tell us the wrong way of doing things. It's going to say, this is what sounds good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. What is that saying? Our path does not usually go the way we want to. Our ways take us down the wrong path almost always. When we apply God's word we go down a different path. And that irritates the world. Even when you're being nice, have you ever been nice to somebody who is doing bad things to you and see them get irritated? They're getting irritated because you're being nice to them. They're trying to rile you up and you get nice and you be nice to them and you're loving them like God tells you to and they get angrier. Uh, I've even had people ask at times, why are you guys being so nice to us? What do you expect from us? Nothing. I want you to see you come to Christ, but we don't expect anything. We're not going to charge you a bill. We're not going to give you a bill somewhere down the path. We're, we're not going to say you owe us because we did these things. We are just loving you because God said to love you. We want to draw you to Jesus because of our love. But it brings division. It causes people to wonder. We as Christians are supposed to be not of this world. We're supposed to be very different from this world. That drives the world nuts. Because they go, you think you're better than us. But it's also very attractive to them. They're going, how can I be dealing with this person who is so loving and so kind when I am so mean and nasty and not doing what is there? Jesus also said, going back to verse 50, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Now, this is kind of an interesting statement. Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and in the Hebrew, in the Greek, this is two different words. He says, I have a baptism I'm going to be dipped into something that I'm going to stay immersed in is the second word for baptism. And he says, and I'm straightened, I'm pressed on all sides until it becomes accomplished. He's coming up to the last days of his life. He's, his mind, is, his eyes are straight on the cross. He knows where he's going. And he knows there's going to be pain. And he says, I've got something I've got to go through. And the first word from baptism is the one that says that he's dipped in and lifted up and has the idea of being buried, uh, dying, burying, and being resurrected, which is what part of what baptism is all about. Baptism shows forth the idea that I am a new person, dead to my old way of living, 
raised again to a new way of living, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, I've got a baptism. And this baptism will lead into the baptism where I stay emerged. Even us as Christians, we have two baptisms in front of us. We should all be baptized in front of the church as a witness to our changed life, where we are dead into our current way of thinking and raised back to life into a new way of living. But you know, we also have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a baptism where my being is placed into the Holy Spirit to not come out again, to be changed by the Holy Spirit. And that's our baptism. We have two baptisms that we should be looking at. A physical baptism that is a testimony to everybody and then that baptism into the Holy Spirit, where I get to stay in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit endues my life and becomes and makes me more like him with every passing day, hour, year, decade. And I become more like Christ because I stay baptized in the Spirit. And that baptism is totally different. I don't want to come out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to become like God. I just want to stay in that one. The physical baptism, I want to get out of that one. I don't breathe very well underwater. I want to get lifted up back up out of that water and be changed to live a new life. Jesus is saying, I've got a baptism coming up. That baptism is the cross. He was steadfast to the cross. He knew where he was going. He had an opportunity to get out of, that, out of the cross. If you all remember when, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan took him up on a mountain and said he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, these can all be yours if you just bow down to me. What was he offering Jesus? A shortcut. Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Satan knew that when he went to the cross and was resurrected, he got all the kingdoms of the world anyway. He was telling Jesus, if you just, uh, you know, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give, I'll give you what, the, what, the Father, what, what, what God was going to give you. You know, it's mine. It was given to me by Adam and Eve, and I'll, I'll let you get away with not having to do this. How many times do we fall for Satan's shortcuts? If you just do this, you won't have to go through this other stuff. If you just tell people how wonderful and nice they are and that their good works will get them to heaven and we'll fill your church in there, you won't have, you won't have any problems. Just have a whole bunch of sinners not getting better, but you'll, but you'll have no problems. Nobody will be condemning you. Nobody will be criticizing you. Nobody will be divided against you. And he throws these shortcuts at us all the time. You want to have peace? God is saying turn to him and endure and let him be your strength. Uh, now, let's just get you out here and get you into drugs and alcohol and you'll have peace for, for a short hour or two. Then life will all be miserable when you get back, but, you know, no problem. God's ways are better. Even though they don't look like they're better when we're going through them, his way is better. And the problem that we have is we look at it by sight and say, wow, i got to go through a lot of pain to get there. But, you know, the reward on the other side is so much better. We need to learn to rest in that reward. Be able to just say, God, I'm going to trust you. And all the world is saying, well, we don't want you to trust God. This is going to, it's going to be a hard thing to trust God. You're going to have to go through a lot of pain. Satan to Jesus, Jesus, you know, you don't have to go through the pain of the cross to get the world. 
I'll give it to you. The strings were a little too tight. He'd have to give up being who he was. We need to be able to understand that we have a baptism ourselves to go through to serve God. We are being made like him, and the world is not going to like us. Now, a lot of times you think, well, if I was just good enough, everybody would like me. Jesus was perfect. And there were a lot of people that didn't like Jesus. A lot of powerful people that didn't like Jesus. And what did they do to Jesus? They put him on a cross and killed him and tried to make his life miserable everywhere he went. The better and closer we draw to God, the more the world is not going to like us. And this is, we see this world getting darker and darker. There's going to be more and more attacks on Christianity. And as I, this has been a topic I talk a lot of anymore. We need to be prepared for the attacks that are coming our way as Christians. We have been very fortunate in America that we have not had to face persecution that much. Now, we in America think it, we're being persecuted. People make fun of us. Well, they made so much fun of me. They, they laughed and they made my life miserable. You still have life. There are many places when you become a Christian, you're going to die. There are places in this world where the life expectancy of a Christian is less than a year because, of the, because they're being martyred. And the funny thing is, lots of people become Christians in those places because they see the power of the love of God being revealed and going, these guys are crazy. They're dying for this. What do they have that they're willing to die for? And they're coming to Christ in multitudes. And here we are in America where we don't have any problems and people won't come to Christ. Why? Because they're not seeing that difference. They're not seeing something worth dying for. We need to understand that we have something that is worth dying for. God is sitting there and saying, here's your reward. I die, I get to go to heaven. Now that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And I've shared with you, there were many times when I was younger and I said, and people go, we're going we're gonna to really uh, kill you or we're going to hurt you. And I'm going, okay, just make sure you do the job right so I'm not having to suffer. Send me to heaven, I'll be happy. Usually they'd walk away thinking I was crazy because I was crazy in their mind. Uh, he's not afraid of dying, what's, what's wrong? Because most of the world is afraid of dying. They're afraid of dying. And we come in and say, I'm looking forward to death. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Now when I say that, I'm not saying I'm gonna go out and go kill myself, but I'm saying I'm looking forward to the day that I have this life done and I get into the presence of my God. And as Paul said, I'm torn between the two, this desire to go to heaven and a desire to stay here and minister to the world. And I'm in that same place. I'm looking forward to the day I go to heaven. But I want to come and minister to as many people as I possibly can until that time. But where are we with this? Are we looking forward to what the world is afraid of? The world is afraid of death. We have the answer to death because we're not going to die. Our bodies will die, but our spirits will immediately step into the presence of God until the, until the rapture and we get our, our glorified body. Death for us as Christians is a wonderful event because we step into the presence of God. I have trouble getting excited when a Christian dies. Now, I'm not gonna go, oh my goodness, they died. My attitude is, they went home. <laughs> 
No more pain, no more suffering, no more trials, no more issues in their life. They are standing before God. Now, if they're not saved, I, have, I don't get excited one way at all. I get very sad because their existence is not good. They are spending eternity away from God in the lake of fire and punishment. I have a greater problem when I don't know whether somebody's saved or not. When I know somebody's saved, it's like, all right, God, they're home. I'm happy for them. Uh, and I've told my family, everybody, when I die, I want everybody to have a great big party. I went home. Yes, you're sad. I hope some people will be sad. I hope I missed. But I hope that everybody has a party. He went home. Yeah. And that is my attitude toward death. Is for a Christian, we've gone home. This is why I love the, when something, not even a memorial, I like to call it their homegoing celebration. They went home. They're no longer suffering in this world. They're no longer going through hard times. They are at home with absolute peace. Because I can tell you one thing I know, when they're in heaven, they're not thinking about us at all. They're looking at Jesus. They're looking at all the marvelous things and they're, they're excited to be home. Kind of like when you go on a long vacation and come back home and it's like, here's my bed. There's my easy chair. This is my kitchen. When we die, we're going to go home. And we get to go to a place where we've never been, but it is going to be home. It'll be the perfect home because God is there walking us through it. And Jesus says, I've got this baptism to go to. I'm headed toward the cross. I must suffer. And then my suffering will bring a difference in life that will make divisions in life. Now, in our churches, we're not supposed to have divisions in our church because we all follow the same God. There shouldn't be divisions in church. But, unfortunately, there's probably more divisions in churches than there are in families a lot of times. But we're all to love one another and see our love abound and grow and, and be, be caring for one another and let unity reign in church. Not over sin, but let unity reign in Christ. We call sin a sin, but we accept one another. And I've told everybody, I, I want everybody in here. I, want, I don't care what their sin is out there because I want them in here so they can hear the gospel message. Too many Christians want to say, well, as soon as they get their life in order, I'll go tell them about Jesus. Well, if their life was in order, they wouldn't need Jesus in the first place. All right? I, want, I like talking to sinners and people who know they're sinners. They're easy to convince that they're a sinner because they already know it. If somebody has put their life together, they're hard to talk to about the gospel message because they go, well, I'm, I'm okay. When I stand before God, I'm going to just tell him how good I am. No. I want people to know that they are sinners. They're easy. We'll tell them that they're sin, but we're going to tell them the hope. Jesus died for your sins so that you can put on Jesus Christ and be perfect before the Father. This is the good news for us as Christians. Doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter what I don't do. As long as I've asked Jesus Christ to be my savior, he clothes me with his righteousness. And when I stand before the Father, what does he see? The righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see me, he doesn't see my good works, he doesn't see my bad works. He just sees Jesus Christ and says, well, come on in. Yeah. God has a dress code for heaven. It's Jesus Christ. And we're either in Christ or we're not in Christ. If we're in Christ, we're accepted. If we're not in Christ, 
He sends us away. Doesn't matter how good or bad we are, if we're not in Christ, we'll be sent away. He ultimately has a division in heaven. Here's all the people that are in Christ and the rest of you are gone. And we need to be able to understand that heaven is a wonderful place. It really is. But the only way to get there is by Jesus Christ's sacrifice. There are going to be a lot of good people in hell. There are going to be a lot of people we look at and go, where are they? I sure was sure that they were good enough to be in heaven. They, they were in church every Sunday and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. They gave lots of money. They were at the work, work events. They, were, you know, they did all these things. Where are they? And God says, well, they never knew me. Did lots of good things, but they never knew me. And they're going to find themselves in hell with all the bad people. The strange thing for us is we're going to find ourselves in heaven with a lot of people that we thought were bad because they are clothed in Christ. And we're going to be looking, how did you get in here? By the grace of God, just like you. I got here because of God's grace. We need to be able to understand his grace and his love is the only way to heaven. And that should help us as we deal with one another. You know, is there anybody that you know that irritates the daylights out of you? Don't raise your hands or say anything. <laughs> you know, we all have somebody in our life that irritates us. How do we respond to that person? If they're a Christian, how should we respond to them? With God's love. If they're not a Christian, we respond by God's love anyway and let them know the gospel message. But how does the world respond to them? They ostracize them. Don't want you anywhere near me, stay away. Unfortunately, so many times we do the same thing as Christians. This person really bugs me, stay away. <laughs> Don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't want, to have, don't want to see God love, love you. I definitely don't want to love you because you're irritating me. You know, and God is saying, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Oh, such an easy thing for us to do, right? We all, we all just love to go out and love those people that are mean to us. And yet that's exactly what God says to do. And I've seen so many people use it as an excuse. Well, I don't go to church because they're just a bunch of mean people. They don't like me. Uh, and I don't want to be around them. And you know, what's really scary is when I hear them say that about a loving church, you know, and they're going, I don't think that's true necessarily, so you must be under a lot of conviction when you come to that church. We need to love, we need to build up, and we need to be nice to people who don't deserve it, because ultimately we don't deserve it. No matter how good we think we are, we don't deserve people being kind and nice to us either. So we need to keep this in mind. It's hard to be a Christian in our own strength. If you're trying to live by, for God in your own strength, stop. <laughs> Get baptized in the Holy Spirit, surrender to God, and let God change you. And just rest. Living the Christian life is a really easy thing when we just rest in God and let God be the one that does the work. We're going to close here and... You know, Jesus was going through this, and he says that things are get tough. And we know that things are going to get tough. Lord, we ask you to bless this day for us. Lord, if there's anybody listening online that doesn't know you, we ask that today they will become a Christian, that they will say, God, I am a sinner, and I need your sacrifice to make me pure. And Lord, for the rest of us that are listening, that, are, that know you, help us to learn to love more by your love. 
Help us to be resting and have you change us to be more loving, more kind to those around us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please today make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.